Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, friends. Thanks for joining our podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called Patreon.com slash BP Show. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to patreon.com slash BP show, patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is the Bill Press Show live at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. He had the greatest television audience of any State of the Union address ever, says Donald Trump, and he is lying. It's another big Donald Trump lie. Why are we surprised? Hey, hello, everybody. What do you say? It's a Friday. Believe it or not, and here I am on a Friday. Friday, February 2nd, The Bill Press Show. How about it? So good to see you today. And thank you so much for joining us. It looks like this is the day that Donald Trump is going to release. Uh, that uh, calling it controversial is uh, the wrong word. It's just a phony manufactured document by a wacky congressman from uh, California. And Donald Trump is, that the FBI and the Department of Justice say would be uh, very, very dangerous to release, could imperil our national security Donald Trump is going to do it anyway because he thinks it'll help him undermine and discredit Robert Mueller, the chief counsel, and everybody at the FBI. Just imagine if it were a Democrat that were declaring war against the FBI, what the reaction would be. Oh, man, that's just that's just the top of the ice, tip of the iceberg today of all the things we've got to talk about. It's a busy Friday. We'll bring you all the news of the day and look forward to hearing from you on what you think about all the issues of the day, particularly Donald Trump's reckless disregard for the leadership of the Justice Department in releasing this memo, send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show, and we will jump right in. But first... This is the Full Court Press. Yes, indeed. Just a couple of other stories making news. Well, Bill, you know uh, this Sunday is the Super Bowl. Are you going to be watching? Oh, are you kidding? <laughs> I know what a big football fan you are. I won't be watching. But here's the thing. A lot I'll of people. watch like five minutes of it. I last, won't even watch. The last five minutes. Here's the thing. It's two supremely unlikable teams, the Patriots and the Eagles, and they've got uh, Sync is doing the halftime show. I'm not going to watch that. Oh, no. I, I, there's no reason for me to yeah, watch that. Yeah. But some people who don't even watch sports, they like to they like to watch so that they, for the food. The commercials. Well, for the commercials, but also for the food. Oh, yes. For yeah, the food. Yeah, Super Bowl yeah, parties right, uh, right. usually have great food, and the best Super Bowl party of all would be... 
I don't know. Chicken wings. Oh, oh, I see. What kind of food? Chicken yeah, wings. I what kind of where? food? Yeah, what kind of food? Chicken wings. And they come from? Chickens. Buffalo. Ch chickens. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Where are you getting? Where are you going with this story? My point here is this Sunday, the National Chicken Council announced that Americans will be eating 1.35 billion chicken wings. Oh, my God. That's how many chicken wings we're going to be eating on Super Bowl Sunday. Mm. One day, 1.35 billion chicken wings. Mm. Now, you know, I must say, I'm not really big on chicken wings. I mean, I've had them. You and I had them at the famous place in Buffalo. Uh, the Anchor Buffalo. Bar in Buffalo, where they were, Buffalo bar. wings were invented. Where they were invented. I'd rather have a chicken leg. That's fair. Mm -hmm. I'm a chicken wing guy. I like chicken wings, but I, I hear you. You have That's to eat a lot of them to get, you know. <laughs> like 1.35 million? Yeah, right. <laughs> That's a lot of them. Uh, by the way, the Washington Post is currently Poor doing chickens. great, great work in the era of Donald Trump. They've been doing it. Without coffee. I didn't realize this, but the Washington Post Guild, they are currently in negotiations with management over a new contract. And one of the things they said is, we don't want to pay for coffee anymore. The Washington Post has been making their reporters pay for coffee. No. Like, coffee is just something that you just yeah, expect to have yeah, in a newsroom yeah. where reporters are sort of yeah, fueled by yeah. caffeine. I mean, when our guests come in here, we offer them coffee. We have coffee. You know, I drink my iced tea, you but we offer coffee. Tea. We don't. Maybe we ought to start charging them. It may be. Yeah, they have not had free coffee at any of its offices, and they said that they are going to, as part of this new contract agreement, they're going to try and get free coffee in there. Hmm. How could you have a newsroom without coffee? A newsroom? It's like a it's like a newsroom without cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's just part of the, that would never work. Part of the trade. <laughs> I, I must say, I didn't see that in the movie The Post. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Maybe that's why Spielberg wasn't nominated. They were drinking scotch. <laughs> This is the Bill Press Show. Uh, yeah, he is up and tweeting already today, already this morning. Oh, my God. God save the republic. What are you telling us lies again and attacking the Justice Department? Of course, blaming it on Democrats. Uh, <laughs> oh, God, it is so it just goes on and on and on with the madman in the White House. Hello, everybody. I mean, seriously, seriously. Clinically insane in the White House, out of control, uh, absolutely egocentric maniac just sitting there with his iPhone, watching television and tweeting away, uh, um, just disgracing the whole office of the presidency. How long can this go on? I don't know. But we'll suffer through another day, I guess, on this Friday, February 2nd. Hello, everybody. It's the Bill Press Show. Uh, great to be with you today on this Friday with the news of the day, such as it is, uh, and there's a lot of it, actually. Uh, we're coming to you live from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., where we're perched right here up the street from the Capitol. Of course, nobody's around this week. The Republicans down, uh, senators and uh, members of the House, down at the very exclusive, very Tony, very expensive uh, West Briar, uh, Greenbrier Report uh, down in uh, West Virginia, um, and by the way, if you want uh, the image of elite snob, right, who doesn't care anything about working class Americans, uh, Greenbrier, you couldn't do better than a Greenbrier Resort. 
Uh, I actually have been there once only because I was paid to go down there uh, and give a speech. It's about as expensive a resort as you could find, uh, except for maybe Mar-a-Lago. Uh, and, but with the news of the day from Washington, around the country, around the globe, that's why we're here online on YouTube, youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. But joining you, of course, on Free Speech TV, part of the DirecTV network, Coast to Coast, and out in the greater Chicago area, Hello Chicago on WCPT and in Indiana on Indiana Talks. Yes, indeed, it looks like today is the day that Donald Trump will. He's already said he's going to do it uh, before the end, of, uh, going to do it, probably will happen before the end of the day. Release of this now infamous memo uh, on the FBI and how it decided to seek security clearance from the FISA court to surveil and t take a look at the actions of former Trump aide Carter Page. So let's, um, th this, this, of course, something that the director of the FBI, appointed by Donald Trump, Christopher Wray, uh, has warned against. He said that he has grave concerns uh, that uh, there could be risks to our national security and to the FBI uh, and in the entire system of justice if this were released. He has privately asked the president not to release it. He has publicly expressed the concerns of the FBI. It looks like Donald Trump is going to do it anyway. We went through some of this yesterday, but it is this is really, really important because this is an attack on our justice system. This is an attack on the Justice Department. This is an attack on the FBI led by the president of the United States, the Republican president of the United States, with the support of the Republican members of Congress, House, and Senate. So this is not just Donald Trump. This is Donald Trump and Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell, and House Republicans, and Senate Republicans are all behind the president on this. And you got just, just, just stop, just a little tangent, and just, just go through and think about this. What would the response be if Hillary Clinton had said even one little critical comment about the FBI? Or if Barack Obama had ever said the FBI is just the political wing of the Republican Party, or in any way undermined the credibility or the great work of the FBI and the Justice Department and the independence of those agencies. Can you imagine? Yeah. that Barack Obama would have been impeached overnight if he had even hinted at anything like that. Donald Trump, full-scale war. So let's go back and take a look. What What's the memo? Who wrote it? What does it say? Uh, and why is Donald Trump releasing it? Okay. All right. So, who wrote it? It was written by the man, Devin Nunez, from California, who is chair of the House Intelligence Committee in name only. He had to recuse himself. He was forced to recuse himself from anything to do with the Russian investigation. But, of course, now he's in the middle of the Russian investigation. The reason he recused himself is because he lied to the American people, and he came up with a very phony plot to try a, 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 just a publicity stunt where he was called down to the White House, and this was over a year ago, and the White House uh, s staff down there says, hey, you know, we think that uh, some of our team members uh, were, uh, that the FBI was investigating some of them about possible contacts with Russia. Devin Nunez 
comes back to the Capitol Hill, holds a news conference and says, I have discovered top secret information, shocking information about surveillance of certain campaign members from Donald Trump, and I'm going to run down to the White House and tell them all about this. Well, it turned out, and he was found out, to just be playing this game. He didn't discover anything. He was told by the White House he should announce this. He comes up here, announces it, and goes down as if he was informing the White House about what was going on. And, of course, the FBI, and we know now, had been looking into George Papadopoulos, and George Papadopoulos has already pleaded guilty for the meetings that he had with the Russians. Of course they were looking into that, and probably Carter Page as well. So because of that big publicity stunt, Devin Nunez was forced out. So now he's back. He writes a three-and-a-half-page memo where, and here's what the memo claims. The memo claims that the FBI went to the FISA court, that's the one that has to okay any surveillance, and asked the FISA court permission to do a little wiretap on a guy named Carter Page because they had learned from multiple sources that Carter Page, a Trump campaign aide, was out there meeting with Russians. And they thought, they, they, the FBI really thought that Carter Page was, and maybe he still is, and maybe he was at the time, a spy for the Russians. So they asked permission to do some surveillance on him. That's the FBI's job, right? This memo claims that that request from the FBI to the FISA court was entirely based on the so-called dossier prepared and put together by this group called Fusion GPS. And the person who put the dossier together was a former British spy by the name of Christopher Steele. Now, it's true that Christopher Steele talked to the FBI, but the FBI says this is just one of many, many sources from which they heard that Carter Page was could be compromised, could even be blackmailed, and maybe Donald Trump himself because of all these meetings with the Russians. So they got the permission of the surveillance court. They did it. Now Devin Nunez says it was all uh, that the, the FBI was all they were doing was trying to help the Hillary Clinton campaign. Remind you, this is the FBI that did a one-year investigation of Hillary's emails, sma- slammed her, when they said she didn't do anything illegal, James Comey himself did, and then reopened the investigation on October 28, just before the elections of the FBI, hardly any friend of Hillary Clinton. And yet here is Donald Trump this morning with a tweet this morning, quote, the top leadership and investigators of the FBI and the Justice Department have politicized the sacred investigative process in favor of Democrats and against Republicans something which would have been unthinkable just a short time ago. Donald Trump. You talk about who has politicized this investigation. It is Donald Trump who is accusing the Justice Department, his Justice Department, and the FBI of politicizing the investigation. That, by the way, is something— I mean, it's just unbelievable. That's something that people don't talk about enough, like— Criticizing the FBI, I think, is is not a great look, right? If that's where you are in your presidency and you're you're having to blame other people around you and you're having to blame the FBI and concoct crazy conspiracy theories about how your business was wiretapped during the election and that three to five million people voted illegally, like that that's one thing. But the other part of it is this is his 
FBI. This is under his leadership, and it has been for a year. He fired right? James Comey, and he put in Christopher Wray. Right. Right. Like the whole deep state <laughs> thing that, that yeah. some Republicans freak out about. Okay, I, obviously it's BS, but right. But like if there was a deep state problem, you've now been president for a year. A year. Yeah. If there was a real problem, you could have fixed it. Uh, exactly. Exactly. And, and and so it's very clear. And so this 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 memo. Um. The FBI director that Donald Trump appointed to replace James Comey, Christopher Ray, has said, "Mr. President, don't do this, because you're going to reveal something about our methodology, maybe uh, our sources, the way we go about things." Uh, I have grave concerns about our national security if you release this memo. Why would Donald Trump go against the uh, advice of the FBI, go against the advice of Rod Rosenstein, who's a deputy AG, because Jeff Sessions has to be on the sidelines, because why? Of his meetings with the Russians. Why would Donald Trump ignore their warning? Because he sees this as an opportunity to discredit the FBI and thereby discredit Robert Mueller and put the skids to his, his investigation before Robert Mueller drops the boom on obstruction of justice. That's what this is all about. And what's disgusting is that the Republicans in Congress who pride themselves and normally go about dancing around, calling themselves, we're the big supporters of the, of the rule of law and the justice system, and the FBI, and the intelligence agencies, and the Department of Justice, right now they're lining up with Donald Trump against all of them. They don't have any backbone whatsoever. They're total, total cowards. I've said this before. When this history is written about this stage, the, 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 these days, it won't be Donald Trump who looks the worst. It'll be Paul Ryan, Mitch McConnell, and those chicken <laughs> House Republicans and Senate Republicans. That, I think, is... Look, Disgusting. a lot of these – Donald Trump is an, a, an old guy. He's president. He might run for a second term. Who knows, right? But guys like Paul Ryan and uh, even Mike Pence, for that matter, like some of the younger – even though Mike Pence is that young, but like some of the younger guys who have like a political future, you can never, ever, ever let them forget. No. Nope. What they did. They're going to have to live with Donald Trump the rest of their lives. They are Trumpers right now. They're not Republicans. They're Trumpers they forever. Trumpers They're Trumpers for, forever. Yeah. So here, here down at uh, in West Virginia, here they are yesterday, Paul Ryan trying to say, oh, no, 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 we're not against all the FBI. This memo is not indictment of the FBI, of the Department of Justice. Uh, it does not impugn uh, the Mueller investigation or the deputy attorney general. Oh, yes, it does. Oh, yes, it does. The the deputy attorney general advised Donald Trump and pleaded with Donald Trump not to release the memo. And there is no doubt, no doubt, Donald Trump has said he'd like to fire Rod Rosenstein. He's asked people how he can fire him. He'd like to fire Robert Mueller. We know that. You he know, tried to. He tried to fire Robert Mueller. Uh, and um, you watch. He could very well fire Christopher Wray. If Christopher Ray doesn't resign, Christopher Ray, by the way, had any self-respect after this, after the president of the United States trashes him and publicly repudiates him, Christopher Ray had any self-respect. He would resign before Donald Trump fires him. Mark Meadows, who's head of the Freedom Caucus down there. Oh, yeah, I read this memo. Oh, man, I've got such, such serious 
concerned. Based on the things that I've read in there, there were things that were either done improperly or should have been done and weren't. And uh, with that, it causes me great concern. Oh, yeah, great concern. Again, they're believing Devin Nunez, who was forced out because of this phony drama that he created last year. And you know what? This is, again, this is another phony manufactured drama to make the FBI look bad and to make Donald Trump uh, look good. And they're willing to sacrifice the integrity and the reputation on the good name of the FBI and the Justice Department in order in order to save Donald Trump's ass. That's what it's all about. Um, I got to tell you, a person who looks better and better in all of this, and you know, I haven't been a big fan of his for a long time, uh, is James Comey, former FBI director. He's on the sidelines, but he's been speaking out. And he tweeted yesterday saying basically, don't worry, this is going to pass and the FBI will survive. But he does it in very colorful language, Peter. His, his, his tweet, quote, all should appreciate the FBI speaking up. I wish more of our leaders would. But take heart, American history shows that in the long run, weasels and liars never hold the field so long as the good people stand up. Not a lot of schools or streets named for Joe McCarthy. That's a great tweet. Oh, man. I got to tell you, man. Oh, yeah. He's, uh, he, he's watching this with disgust, and he is. Look, what does he have to lose? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Donald Trump fired him, right? Uh and so he he's 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 speaking up for for the people that he led uh in the FBI as Donald Trump trying to again to impugn their integrity. Uh a related a re, on a related story by the way. Yeah, again, what this is all about is Donald Trump trying to undermine, pull the rug out from under, discredit in any way he can Robert Mueller because he knows that Robert Mueller is closing in on him. Robert Mueller is talking to people about this memo that he wrote or this uh, statement that he wrote uh, for or kind of response for the New York Times about the meeting that Donnie Jr. had up at Trump Tower with the Russians to get dirt on Hillary. Uh, he knows that uh, that that uh, Sesh, uh, Mueller has talked to Jeff Sessions and he's talked to Steve, going to be talking to Steve Bannon. He knows he's closing in. So Donald Trump is trying to, again, discredit him any way he can. Uh, and he knows that Mueller has asked to sit down with him. And a week ago, Donald Trump says, I can't wait to sit down with him. Yeah, under oath. Yeah, that put the scare of the life into White House staffers, the thought that Donald Trump would be under oath. Think of the lies that he tells when he's not under oath. You think he's going to tell the truth when he's under oath? They know he'd be caught on from perjury. So now the White House lawyers are saying, whoa, 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 back up. We'll decide. We're not even sure that he should talk to Mueller. We don't think it's proper to him to ask about this uh, New York Times um, response that Donald Trump wrote. So the White House lawyers are trying to prevent such a meeting. The reason I mention that is Monmouth University is out with a poll this morning uh, of Americans. Should Donald Trump meet with Robert Mueller, the special counsel? 71% of Americans, Republicans and Democrats, say Trump should meet with Mueller. Uh, by the way, I don't think he has any choice. Bill Clinton tried not to meet with Ken Starr, and the Supreme Court said, oh, no, Mr. President, you're not above the law. You've got to meet with him. So Donald, I think Donald Trump will have to eventually. Anyhow, 71% of Americans say he should meet with Robert Mueller. 82% of Americans say 
he should meet with Robert Mueller and testify under oath. Under oath. Again, I get Donald Trump under oath, man. You are. You talk about oof, trouble. Trouble, River City. Oh, yeah. No, that oh. would be mm. that would be the end yeah. of the Trump. Like, look, I, I'm not one of these people that thinks there's an easy out here for the Trump administration, right? Like, I, I know a lot of people are looking for, oh, he's going to get fed up and resign or, you know, Bob Mueller's going to get him. And, like, I'm not so sure of any of that. I think Donald Trump has proven that he can get away with just about anything he wants to get away with. However, if he goes under oath, He's going to step in it in a big, big way. You like, know he is. He's just not He's not smart enough to do that. Right. And no. maneuver those waters. Mm-mm. Right? Mm-mm. Just not. No, because I think he, he really, I mean, he lies just like he breathes. You know what I mean? I right. Mean, he cannot stop. He can't help himself. He cannot help himself. Uh, let's give the latest example of that. Again, yesterday, he tweeted out, that the audience that watched him Tuesday night was the largest audience ever for a State of the Union, which is factually out and out not true. Even if you add the people who retweeted it or whatever, uh, the New York Times has a whole breakdown this morning. But the the big number is there were 46, no, 45.6, 45.7, something like that people. Just about 40, rounded off, 46 million people. That's a lot of people. By the way, it was a lot of people. Watch them Tuesday night. Give them credit for that. 46 million tuned in. You know, that's just a couple of million more than tune into us every morning, right? Right. So I'll give them credit for that. But last year, his first address to a joint session of Congress was 48 million. So he had more people watching himself last year than this year. He's fighting with himself. He's fighting with himself. Barack Obama's first State of the Union in 2010, he had 48 million. So he had 2 million less than Barack Obama. He had 2 million less than himself last year. That's just a fact by any measurement. And yet he still has to go out and say it was the largest audience ever, which we remember is exactly how he got in trouble in the first place the day of his inauguration. Day one. Day one when he insisted that it was the largest crowd that had ever shown up in person. Period. On the period. On the Washington Mall, right? You have to ask yourself, what is it in his character that requires him to lie about something that factually you can prove is just untrue? And he's been told that and he still goes out and tells that same lie. Nobody believes it. Why does he feel compelled to do it? I mean, there's something clinically wrong with this guy. There's something fundamentally wrong with his ego and with his character. And uh, you just have to, what what do we do? Just accept that, that you cannot, that's why you can't believe a word he says. You really can't. So he goes down to, here's another example. Yesterday, he goes down to this retreat at Greenbrier, and he talks about, how much they've accomplished this year, right? That this, he says, is not just, by the way, and we know last year was a disaster. They didn't get anything done. He was going to repeal Obamacare on day one. He was going to build the wall. The wall would have been built by now. Day one, they're going to repeal Obamacare. A trillion-dollar infrastructure plan. Go on and on with all the things he promised. Last year was bookends, right? In the beginning of the year, they got Neil Gorsuch on the Supreme Court. On the 11th 
at the 11th hour, like December 31st, they passed the tax cut for the richest Americans. In between, nothing. Nothing. Just chaos. Just total chaos. Total chaos. They've tried and failed three times to repeal Obamacare. They couldn't get anything done. But he goes down there last day and says, this was the best year of any president ever. That was one of the greatest years in the history of politics, in the history of our country for a party, what we've done and what we've accomplished. I don't think it's been done, and certainly uh, not by much. We, uh, we had a year that was almost, I would think, unlike any. <laughs> How can, you know, it's just stunning. It's stunning. He really does live in an alternate universe. But you know what, though? It, it's Donald Trump's like... world, and there's the real world, and... Uh, you're right. I mean, it's clearly a lie. We can look at that and we can say that is just a lie. But, but we, I mean, one thing that we're missing is people do believe it. Uh-huh. People do believe it. His people believe it. And he's got people that help sort of support that, like Mitch McConnell. Who I was yesterday- just going to say, let's hear it. So you think it's just Mitch McConnell, it's a, a Donald Trump, okay? And then you got Mitch McConnell, who if follows you, him. If you prefer a right of center America, as virtually every Republican does, there was never a better year than 2017 in the time I've been here, which would cover three decades. Never a better year? Uh, and, and, you know, and like, we don't have the sound, but Orrin Hatch told the president down there in, in Greenbrier that he he's the best president of his, of his lifetime. And Orrin Hatch has been around a long time. And then Donald Trump said, even better than Washington and Lincoln. And Orrin Hatch says, yes, you are the best president ever in the history of this country. Donald Trump, better than Abraham Lincoln? Look, I, I, you know, I, I know I, I ought to be careful here throwing around family money, but I'll bet my entire everything I own there will never be a monument to Donald Trump on the Washington Mall. I think that's a safe bet. I mean, no, he's a clown. He's an embarrassment to the country. But again, what is it about his makeup that that compels him to lie like that when it's so obvious that he's lying? And he can't, you know, it's like you're a little kid, right? He's playing little league ball or something, and he gets a home run, and you know, you're congratulating your kid, and he says, "I'm the best player ever, in, ever in Play little league history, Ruth. ever in the history of the world." I mean, you have to say, "Hey, kid," you know, okay. Yeah, you did a good job here, but let's not overdo it here. But right? you know, knowing not Donald what, Trump, knowing what we know about Trump, and knowing how he feeds I, off of uh, other people's praise and adoration, why does he keep lying? Because, because he can, because he can, because they're letting him get away with it. Republicans are letting him get away with it. Evangelicals in this country are letting him get away with it. Yeah. His base are letting him get away with it. So if he tells a lie, that's pr- it's a provable lie. He takes zero heat for it. Mm-hmm. Zero. Right. Zero. He knows that these cowardly Republicans on Capitol, he has figured them out, man. They have no character. They have no backbone. They have no decency. They are total putty in Donald Trump's hands, uh, led by Paul Ryan again and Mitch McConnell. Um, uh, before we take a break, I just have to salute our neighbors to the north. Did you hear? Oh, Canada. I saw this. Canada, they are changing their national anthem. I wish we'd get rid of ours uh, and replace it with something else. I know Sean Hannity hates when I say that. Um, but uh, it, so the national anthem uh, of Canada goes, Oh, Canada, our home and nation land, our home and native land, 
to true patriot love in all thy sons command. That's kind of corny anyhow. They have changed it to make it gender neutral. Yeah. The new national anthem, it's almost there. I think the somebody up there prime minister somebody else has to approve it before it becomes official. It will read, "O Canada, our home and native land, true true patriot love in all of us command." All right. So getting rid of that sons there. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I do. I do, too. The, the, the times are here. You, you, don't have to, you can change it. It's all right. <laughs> right. So at least the Canadians can get something right. We can't. <laughs> it doesn't seem to these days. How about it? Um, what is going on in with this whole infrastructure plan? Is there anything to it at all? Is it just another empty Donald Trump promise? Let's talk about that with the transportation writer for The Hill, Melanie Zanona, joining us next here. In studio on this beautiful Friday, cold Friday in Washington, February 2nd. Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is the Bill Press Show. Yes, it is on a Friday, February 2nd, uh, the Bill Press Show, live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. And brought to you today by the American Federation of Government Employees, those good men and women of the AFGE under President J. David Cox. They're the ones who keep our federal agencies running day in and day out serving the american people proud to uh, get up and work for america every day um, we salute them thank them for their support of the program and direct you to their website afge.org uh, at it for about a half an hour now with the news of the day most of it about the the expected release of the house republican anti-fbi memo today uh, generating a few comments here, Peter. Yes, indeed. We are not only on uh, Twitter at BP Show at BP Show. We also have our chat room, youtubecom slash show. Uh, Dewey says, "I am surprised Trump has not started his face on Mount Rushmore already." Uh, that's a very good point. For the wall first, and yeah, then the wall Mount first, Rushmore. and then Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Uh, we also had a comment from Sar who says, "America the Beautiful" would be a better national anthem than the bombs and rockets. Something you've said many thank times. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Uh, and to Twitter. Two of us who believe that. And to Twitter we go, at BP Show. You can chime in with uh, your comments there on any topic at any time. Uh, Tommy says, you're talking about how he hasn't done anything, Trump. Uh, legislatively, he has not done much, but he has done plenty to destroy the fiber of this nation. Uh, his cabinet is systematically dismantling everything that makes America great, schools, environment, diplomacy, and all that, which is a good point. Absolutely. While they haven't passed a lot of legislation, no, absolutely. there are a lot of things they can do uh, uh, without passing the legislation. And Resistance Stevie on Twitter says this entire fiasco started with James Comey. If he had not come out and publicly vilified Hillary Clinton, Trump would not have been elected. Find us on Twitter at BP Show with your comments. Yeah, so I would still say if the FBI were guilty of playing politics at all last year, they were playing politics against Hillary, not pro-Hillary. Uh, and, uh, you know, again, uh, there are those who make the argument that Hillary would be president of the United States today if it were not for James Comey on October 28, reopening the email investigation that close to the election. At any rate, putting politics aside for a second, let's talk about one important issue. We hear the word around a lot, infrastructure, infrastructure. Uh, Donald Trump um, talked about it in his first address to a joint session of Congress, and he brought it up again this week. 
What's That All About? Melanie Zanona uh, is staff writer for the great newspaper The Hill here in Washington, D.C., covering, among other things, transportation issues. Nice to see you, Melanie. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for coming in. Uh, but before we get to infrastructure, the other transportation story um, this week, Republicans on their way to their retreat down at the Greenbrier uh, on Amtrak, when uh, the Amtrak train struck a garbage mm-hmm. truck. Sadly, mm-hmm. uh, one a passenger on that truck was killed. What do we know about how, you know, everybody asks, how can a train hit a truck? Mm-hmm. What do we know? What I, happened? I've covered a lot of these things, and it, honestly, it could have been a lot worse. They're lucky that the train didn't derail. That's when you see a lot of the most yeah, severe right. injuries. But this accident was in the crossing grade, so it was a truck that was crossing by the tracks. We don't know if it was trying to beat the train and speed ahead of it. Uh, we don't know. That's usually the case, isn't Usually it? what happens, and actually it's that's the biggest source of injuries, accidents, and deaths is these crossing grade incidents, and the Department of Transportation has really made that a focus of some of their safety efforts. They did a big campaign last year aimed at mostly men because they are shown to, to be most likely to speed through thinking so, they can beat so the they train see a tracks. Tra- they see a train coming, and they think, I can get across before exactly. the train, right? So they've launched this big ad campaign to try to get those down. And the number has gone down. But unfortunately, on Wednesday, um, we saw another type of this accident. And it was the people in the truck that. All right. So if I have a Corvette, right, I might think I could outrun a train. Mm -hmm. A garbage truck? You know, it's it's the other thing is this was a chartered a chartered Amtrak train. It doesn't normally go down this route at these hours, so it's possible that the truck diver didn't think the train was going to be coming. Do we know that the warning lights were flashing? We, we don't know that was information the gate yet. Was it- we, we're not sure what that information is yet. We do know that the train was going the speed limit. It was 61 miles it was in a-, a 60 zone, so it, it was going the speed limit. Um, we don't know who's at fault, but the NT- NTSB is investigating. So the, the president right away talked about the train was going too fast. He didn't know what he was talking about. No, I, and you yeah. could see when he started, the words started coming out of his mouth. Yeah. You could tell then he started pulling back a little bit, and he said it was traveling at a, a good speed, a good speed, because he, did, he didn't know. We didn't, didn't know until much later. Gee, you, what a surprise. Donald Trump's talking off the top of his head <laughs> without knowing the facts. Shocking, right? I know. Shocking, yeah. Um, uh, so, uh, because... Uh, you know, I, I use Amtrak a lot. I was up, up and back to New York this week. Um, to my knowledge, between here and New York, there aren't any grade crossings for Amtrak. I don't believe on the route from here to New York. Right. Uh, but they're much but more common. how about around the rest of the right. country? It's pre- still pretty common, common, isn't right. it? Yeah. Right. But, and when I do see them, I know, I, like out in Oregon, I see them you know, with the big, long freight trains there. But it's pretty hard to miss when a train is coming. I mean... Um, they, they really, you know, they make a lot of noise. The right. lights are flashing. The bells are going off. The gates are coming down. The, right. you, it, 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 it's, and getting through one of those gates isn't that easy, right? It's so, the people that uh, underestimate how fast the train is really going. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's an investigation now and underway, and then we'll know exactly. soon, I guess, right? Yeah. I mean, it could pay, it could take a couple weeks. It could take a couple months. We have some preliminary information. They have the black box recorder from the front of the train, uh, so they'll be able to get a lot of information that way. Uh, there might be a recorder in the front of the cabin. Some A lot of trains are equipped with cameras, so they might be able to get some information that way. Are there a lot of these kind of grade crossing accidents uh, around the country every year? Every year there's about 2,000 either accidents, Whoa. injuries, deaths from just these grade crossing incidents. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, well, one thing for sure. I mean, the train did not go out of its lane or mm-hmm. off its tracks to hit the truck, right? Right. The truck was on the tracks. The truck was on the tracks. Yeah, at least partly at any yeah. rate. Yeah. Um, Thank you. We'll um, get up to date on that as soon as we hear from the National Transportation Mm -hmm. Safety Mm -hmm. Board, uh, I guess. Uh, So we're going to have a million and a half dollars. No, I have a plan that's going to (laughs) generate one and a half trillion dollars in infrastructure spending. Um, How real is this? Um, He campaigned as a candidate. We're going to have a trillion dollar infrastructure plan. He and Bernie Sanders are basically trying to outdo each other how much they're going to spend for infrastructure. Well, actually, he started with five hundred and fifty billion. Oh, it was what Hillary oh. said she was going to do two hundred seventy-five billion, and he said we're going to do double that. It uh-huh. went to five fifty billion. Oh. Then you heard a trillion. Then a trillion. Now you hear a trillion and a half. Yeah. Actually, he even said one point eight, one point seven in a recent interview with the Wall Street Journal. So this number has been well, slowly so the climbing. The number keeps going up, but what about the reality? Well, nothing else is going up. The pay for hasn't been identified. Uh, the method which they're trying to raise this revenue hasn't been changed as far as I know. It's very unclear where the math is coming from to get to $1.5 trillion. And you ask both Republicans and Democrats after the State of the Union, is that a realistic number? How are we going to get there? And they, even on the Transportation Committee, they're saying that's going to be tough. Even a trillion was going to be hard enough. Is there uh, a plan? Uh, has there been a bill introduced uh, since... February 28, 2017, when he first talked about this as president? There has not. In fact, there's been a series of self-imposed deadlines that have been blown by by the White House. And in fact, the latest update we heard is that it's delayed again. They blamed the shutdown. They said a lot of our staff weren't working and it, it, you know, really screwed up our plans. So we're not going to be releasing this until mid-February now. And even then, it's not an actual bill. They're only releasing legislative principles which then lawmakers are responsible for actually writing the legislative text. Okay. So my understanding is while he talked about one point one and a half trillion, and as you indicate perhaps even more, that his budget actually shows a lot less than that. Right. Right. It's only two hundred billion in federal dollars. That's their their goal is to use two hundred billion dollars in federal money, sort of like seed money, mm-hmm. to try to incentivize the private sector state governments, local governments to raise their own revenue through whatever means, either tollways, public private partnerships, and then if they if they raise a certain amount of money, then they'll get an extra, you know, pot of federal money. All right. So the general most when most people I think think about infrastructure a la New Deal, right? Mm-hmm. It's a big government spending program to for public works, roads, bridge rebuild or build new. A lot of it we need right. is rebuilding and and bringing up to date roads, bridges, tunnels, water treatment plants, sewage treatment plants, what airports? Right, maybe? exactly. All those kinds of and things. And it, it's right? a, a direct infusion of cash. Direct infusion of cash from the federal government to do this. That's not what Donald not Trump's at all. plan is. No. no, his plan is to put a little money out there. To sort of trigger others to spend money. And then that would count towards that trillion. So that's why he said, and I think the key phrase in his remarks Tuesday Mm -hmm. were that we have a plan that will generate. 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 Not we're going to spend that. Not we're going to invest. We're going to generate. Right. Maybe he'll get Mexico to pay for it. (laughs) You think about that. There's an idea. Right? (laughs) Yeah. 
We'll build a wall. We don't have to worry about it because Mexico is going to pay for it. Mexico will pay for our infrastructure. Yeah. You know, he doesn't even say that anymore. Oh, of course not. No, no, he gave up on that a long time no. ago. And, but when he's so asked, when he's asked, he denies that he's given up on it, and he says, "Well, in some fashion, directly or indirectly, they will down the road, years from now, <laughs> we'll trick them into paying for it." Yeah, right. So, uh, what's wrong with if we can get all this done? And we don't have to do it and pay for it ourselves. What's wrong with that? Well, it's cash-strapped cities and states that are picking up the burden, first of all. If yeah, it was as, that... as if they have a lot of money. Exactly. Uh, it also, <laughs> right? There's yeah. also a lot of concern Most among states Democrats. states are broke. Except Most for California, Jerry Brown well, got a surplus. But Part of the Republican platform historically has been this idea of you know transferring the federal responsibility of investing in infrastructure, transferring that back to the state's in the cities so that the federal government wouldn't be responsible whatsoever. Uh, and there's a lot of concern among Democrats. This plan would sort of lay the groundwork for that. It's called devolution. And you're going to see a lot of pushback from Democrats for that reason. And on the Republican side, they're worried that this is just going to raise taxes in cities and states. If they're responsible for raising their own of revenue for will. infrastructure, yeah. Yeah. that's the primary source, whether it's a sales tax, a gas tax, those sorts of things. So you're also going to see some real major concern from conservatives about this idea. Um, and not to mention public-private partnerships. They need projects that can you know, bring in their own revenue and can recoup their investment costs. That means a lot of tollways. Part of this plan is also supposed to loosen a federal ban on tolling existing interstate highways. Trump administration wants to get rid of that. So uh, also, aren't there... Not every state uh, uh, allows toll roads, correct? Right. And that's why they want to sort of loosen these federal laws, make it easier for states to toll, give them more flexibility, allow private companies to invest and commercialize interstate uh, rest stops. That's something that you're not allowed to do with a private company. They want to let people come in and fix up themselves and profit off of that. So there are a lot of uh, pockets of concern within this plan. Well, it seems to me a fundamental problem is Tell me if I'm wrong, that if you're saying, okay, we're counting on private companies to to spend, to build these public works, um, okay, I'm ahead of a construction company. I, my job is, my goal is to make money. So exactly. I'm going to pick projects where I can make the most money, which may not be the projects that the public needs, right? Right. Or I may not be building them. I'm not going to go out into rural America, right, and right. build a new road or something because I'm not going to be able to make enough money there. And that was the biggest concern when they initially started pitching this public-private partnership idea, and that's why you did hear the White House say we would have a small dedicated piece of this package dedicated just to rural infrastructure projects. That would be more in the style of the New Deal yeah. federal direct cash invested in these projects. But when you're talking about $200 billion, 50% is going to be going towards these like incentives for like, local and state governments and private sector, and only you know a very small fraction would go towards the rural sector. Right. So uh, we didn't see anything at all last year on infrastructure. Um, what, what did your gut tell you? Are we going to see anything this year? I would suspect that they would get something out at some point this year. Whether or not that actually becomes this a bill, is an election year. right? Is a much tougher question. You have Democrats who are not going to be wanting to hand over victory to Trump. They're not going to be wanting to play along with a big bipartisan bill after all these bitter fights over the shutdown, immigration, healthcare, taxes, all those sorts of things. 
And then you have Republicans who are really skeptical in election year. Is this what we really want to be doing? We sh- they want to be repealing, replacing Obamacare like they never were mm-hmm. able to do, even though they ran on that. They don't want to be doing a trillion dollar infrastructure bill. Right. So I hear you say probably nothing's going to happen. Yes. Or chances are <laughs> nothing's going to happen again. And, you know, how many pe- people have been talking about this? Cre- I wish we had a better word for it, infrastructure, but for years and years and years. And, and, it, and, and it just gets worse. I mean, the bridges are... <laughs> In serious shape, right? It, it's Dangerous getting worse. Shape. It doesn't get better. The Highway Trust Fund is set to run out of money in 2020. That's coming up. That's something Congress is going to have to yeah, deal this, with again. This famous tunnel going into New York City from New mm-hmm, Jersey. Mm-hmm. One lane in each direction, I think, or something. It's just insane. If they don't get that fixed, it's <coughs> going to be an absolute nightmare. Right. Um, and, and well, there it is. We'll see how, we'll see how, we'll see how that, uh, We'll see how that whole thing plays out. But so you cover transportation. Just one final question before we move on to something else we want to ask about. But it used to be not that long ago. I mean, the transportation with whatever gridlock there was in Washington, that the transportation committee was always a place that things got done. You know, because they had these five-year plans. People mm-hmm. people had to plan out. Everybody knew to build something like that. You needed five years to get the permits to do all the design work. Seasonal, you couldn't necessarily build a uh, twenty uh, year round, right? What's is that still the case today? Not so much, as we just discussed. They can't even, you know, fund the FAA. That's been on a reauthorization, a temporary patch year after year. That's d- another deadline coming up. That is probably going to get kicked down the road once again. Um, I think it's just a testament to where we are and how gridlocked and polarized Congress has become, but they can't even agree on fixing roads and bridges, something that's so bipartisan. Um, And I just, I don't know what this means for transportation. They do have to get the highway trust fund. They're gonna have to do something about that in the next couple of years. Um, But without earmarks, I think it's also another really difficult position that these lawmakers in. It used to be easy because you can earmark for projects and it was a lot easier to get money for transportation and infrastructure. Donald That's, Trump wants to bring project, uh, earmarks he back. He does. He does. And has he done anything about that? N- not no. yet. He There's been some hearings on Capitol Hill. Um, if Republicans do bring it back in election year, that would be shocking. Uh, but they say they, if they brought it back, it would look different than what it was before. They say it wouldn't be just earmarks. It would be. It wouldn't be just pork. Yeah. It would have to be. I just feel like pork. I, I, I feel like pork. we have to point out uh, that we we've forgotten to mention infrastructure week from last year. Oh, oh yes. that's true. Which that's Mel, true. you wrote about and what a disaster it was. I, I mean, did, I and that it, was that was last summer, and yeah, it's it only become more of a punchline since then. Am I, um, am I, I forget no, because we laughed about it at the time. They, they declared infrastructure week, and then immediately Donald Trump said something stupid or did, I believe what happened? that was it was. Comey was testifying. Uh, that was the week of the Comey testimony. Oh, the Comey testimony. But also, Donald Trump uh, <laughs> had all kinds of problems. Like he went on Twitter. He called Democrats obstructionist. He called. He slammed London's mayor after the right. attack uh-huh. on the city. Yep. That was yeah. the whole thing. Um, he had the second version of his travel ban uh, oh, shut down. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that uh-huh. was shut down. So, like, so, so. the one thing we didn't talk about during Infrastructure Week was well, infrastructure. infrastructure. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Even on his own Twitter account. So yeah, Right, right, right. You know, I think um, uh, I, it's been a long time because I go to the briefings uh, occasionally, but um, that I've heard them declare any week. And I think they've given up naming weeks. I think for, that's probably because, smart of them to do that. 
Uh, yeah, because <laughs> they, it never worked. They haven't had a lot of success. Because every, whatever they did, Donald Trump would immediately change the I mean, subject. They could probably be safe naming something like Russia Week. I think that would. <laughs> we that will would... talk about Russia. Though. Yeah. <laughs> Just pick a week. Or Big Lie Week. This is the week we're going to tell big lies, and and yeah, you can count on the fact that Twitter going controversy to... week. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Twitter uh, awareness. Okay, you have also, uh, <coughs> pardon me, you've also been covering and writing about um, the shutdown. Uh, we hmm, barely escaped one, and um, so in all of its courage, the Congress managed to keep the government open mm-hmm. for another three weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, that's up February 8th, right? Correct. So we're now less than a week away from <laughs> right. another shutdown, believe it or not. Next yeah, week, we're going to go through the same old kabuki dance again. Um, what's going to happen this time? Are chances of another shutdown? Well, look, or? the Democrats don't want to use this tactic again. I think there is a sense that it sort of backfired. They didn't really have a strategy to dig themselves out, and that's why you saw the Senate Democrats coming together to, to get the government reopened. They're not going to want to do that again at least on the Senate side. They've also got this commitment from Mitch McConnell to put an immigration on the bill on the floor after February 8th if something doesn't come together by then. Um, but the real problem could be actually House Republicans. They don't want to back another CR. They're worried about the military. They don't like where things are going with immigration. They're worried about j- getting jammed with something that's uh, less conservative than they would like. Uh, so you're really starting to hear some squawking from within the GOP conference about another one. Yeah, but they always squawk, and then they do, they'll do whatever Paul Ryan wants. And that's what happened with the Freedom Caucus last time. You yeah, know, they I made mean, a big deal. Then they came out of Ryan's office and said, we got all these promises that ended up really not being that big and didn't really go anywhere. I'm sure we'll say the, see the exact same um, song and dance happen next week. The government will get funded. They're looking at this time a six-week CR. Whoa. Yeah. Well, man, I'm telling you. Progress. God, progress, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's starting to look like we could be under a CR for a very long time. That's how, the, how, the, many, how many is this in a row? This, this would be the fifth. This will be five. Since September. Right. Uh, since the since, start of the fiscal year. Um, unbelievable. Uh, and the So February 8th, government runs out of money, and March 5 is when the... The DACA the, expiration the DACA yeah. deadline. deadline given it's not in in law that was given by Donald Trump right I mean Correct. he declared Congress so he could say you've got another two months to he fix could, it theoretically and he's been asked about that <clears throat> and he's kept that as an <clears throat> something on the table um, whether or not that actually happens uh, I, I'm not sure that they do that um, but that is certainly something he could do so it looks like we'll have yet another CR next week. To keep the government going for, I mean, last time the big compromise was instead of four weeks, they went to three weeks, as if, as if that made any difference at all. So this time it could be, do you think, uh, beyond March 5, anyhow? Well, we'll see. It's something that's still being debated right now. The other thing that's so sort of, silly. the other thing that's throwing a wrench in the plans for next week is that House Democrats have their retreat starting Wednesday. Are they going to Greenbrier, too? Uh, no, they're going to. I hope they I, pick a little Maryland. place a little more populous. Uh, they're going somewhere in Maryland. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh huh. Okay. But they might have they to the figure Motel this out before they leave. Or, yeah. Right. right. I mean, some <laughs> average American could afford. Uh, right. So they'll be out for a week. So they'll be out. Right. And then you have a week of recess in the middle of February for the next. Is it President's Day in the middle of February? Um, so ever both chambers are gone for that week. So six weeks sounds like a long time, but in Congress speak. That's not a lot of legislative days to get 
an immigration deal, an omnibus, a spending caps deal. You have the debt ceiling approaching in early March. You have the FAA reauthorization at the end of March. Um, so if you thought January was busy, just wait for March. Oh, man, what a mess. Anyhow, Melanie, thanks for keeping track of it. Thanks for coming in. Oh, of course, anytime. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, everybody, this is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now, do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And it looks like today is the day Donald Trump is going to defy the advice of the uh, Deputy Attorney General of the United States and the Director of the FBI, both of whom he appointed, and release the Devin Nunez anti-FBI memo. Hello, everybody. Yep, this Friday. February 2nd, uh, wait for it, count on it. He's determined to do it, and we'll tell you all about it. It's the Bill Press Show. Good to see you today. Thank you for joining us. As we come to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, where we're trying to keep track of things happening uh, at the White House and in the Congress, even though both the House and the Senate are out this week, uh, the members are uh, out there talking and uh, continuing to, with the president, um, this continue their onslaught against the FBI, uh, the Department of Justice, and by extension, Special Counsel Robert Mueller. Uh, also, um, Jeff Sessions uh, and Devin Nunez, both of whom recused themselves at one point from the Russian investigation, seem to be edging their way back in. In fact, big time. Pamela Levy is a reporter for the great uh, site Mother Jones, who joins us here in studio this hour. Hi, Pema. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. Thanks for coming back. Uh, so we'll jump into all the news of the day and look forward to hearing from you and your comments on the news of the day. Send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. And again, news coming up. But first, well, the this real news comes first. Court Peter that's Agra. right. That's yep. right. Not fake news here. Yes, no. Uh, just a couple of other stories making news. Well, you know what today is. Today is, yes. of course, Groundhog Day. Oh, that's right. So oh, we have the prediction from Punxsutawney yeah, already? Phil. Yeah, already? They do it very, very early uh -oh. in the morning there in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. He has delivered his annual weather prediction. He did see his shadow, which means we will get six more weeks of winter. Womp, womp. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I had it backwards. I thought it was the other way around. If he sees, sees the, the shadow, shadow, you would think it'd be nice weather coming. If he sees the shadow, that means six more weeks of winter. This happened uh, not quite an hour ago. He came out of his little uh, stump that he that he's in for Punxsutawney. There you go. This would, by the way, be a great opportunity to go watch the movie Groundhog Day starring Bill Murray. 
one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, it it really, it really is fun. And by the way, the stage show, the uh, the musical on Broadway, which I saw, oh was sure, ex- very, very, very funny. There it was you good. go. And Bill Murray went to see it. Oh, did he? And then he came back the next night. Oh, no, yeah, of course. Of course he did. This <laughs> is perfect. Of course he yeah, did. Yeah, right. Uh, earlier this week, I told you about how Elon Musk had launched Has a- anybody ever done a track whether or not this myth, this fairy tale ever turns out to be true? Groundhog Day? Um... No, because it's obviously not true. Did, I mean, waking up and living the same day over and over again? No, well, no, no, no. Whether or not. The, the, this, oh, you're that, talking about the actual thing, not the, the actual movie. that we're no that we're going to have six more yeah, weeks no, of winter. Was no. the movie a documentary? <laughs> no. Oh, that's right. Hey, you know, Trump's America. Who knows? Yeah, that's right. No, I don't know. That's a good question, actually. By the way, I mentioned last week that uh, uh, Elon Musk was selling flamethrowers. Now. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah, great idea. Well, here's the mm-hmm. deal. They were on, they were for sale for four days, and they have sold ten million dollars worth of flamethrowers. Yeah, you know, there are going to be some serious accidents caused by this, and he's going to get all the crap for it. And yeah, deserved, deservedly so. It's Such a weird a brilliant way to, man. This is incredibly stupid. I got to say, it's pretty dumb. Although. It's also pretty cool looking. I think Peter saying. bought one. Five hundred bucks is what you five hundred bucks is what you pay yeah. to get a flamethrower. Mm-hmm. Ten million dollars they made off of this. Yeah, I'm gonna buy one and give it to your kids. <laughs> <laughs> well and you can deal with it. <laughs> yeah, no thanks. <laughs> but like, you know, for a guy that is, you know, trying to send us back to the moon and all this stuff, I mean yeah. good he's grief. got a flamethrower. He's got the biggest rocket ever built that's about to go up. <laughs> that's a flamethrower. Yeah. Yeah. I'm happy with that. Take the Bill Press Show anywhere you go. Download our free podcast, search for the Bill Press Show on iTunes, and catch the highlights from every show. Happy Groundhog Day. Yeah, lest we forget. Friday, February 2nd. Uh, Hello, everybody. Donald Trump has come out of his hole and seen his shadow, and so we'll have six more weeks of winter. Is that what it means? I don't know. Six more weeks of nuclear winter. Yes. I'll tell you one thing. Donald Trump, yeah, he was up before Puxatawney Phil this morning, (laughs) tweeting uh, and, and blaming the FBI and the Justice Department for politicizing the whole process and favoring Democrats over Republicans. Yes, this of the man, James Comey, uh, who brought Hillary Clinton down with his email investigation. It is insane. Hey, hello, everybody. Happy Friday. Uh, The Bill Press Show, good to have you with us. We're coming to you live coast to coast from our studio on Capitol Hill. Yeah, we start out in Washington, D.C., but we end up wherever you are in this great land of ours, whether you are online, on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Watching us on Free Speech TV, hello, looking good out there in TV land, or listening on the great progressive voice of Chicago, WCPT, and joining us in studio, Pema Levy is with Mother Jones, motherjones.com, covering the Russian probe and gerrymandering and just about everything. Yeah. 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 It's good to see you. (laughs) Yeah. So today is a day that Donald Trump is we know, going to release this memo written by Devin Nunez 
I thought Devin Nunez um, had, who's still technically the chair of the House Intelligence Committee, had recused himself from anything to do with the Russian investigation. I also was under that impression. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that Not there's the case, huh? Well, I think that essentially what I've what I what I've sort of deduced here is that um, they're they're really interpreting like the scope of this of these recusals narrowly. Um, so, you know, for example, one of the things I've been following is Jeff Sessions' recusal. Yeah, I was going to ask um, you about him too, which is supposed to be a robust recusal from the. Uh, Russia investigation. Uh, Donald Trump thinks it is. He's just not happy about it. <laughs> right. And yet, Sessions seems perfectly willing to be part of efforts that are clearly meant to discredit the investigation. So are they part of the investigation? No. But do they involve the investigation? Are they about damaging it? Yes. You know, so for example, the text messages go missing and he personally, you know, talks to the inspector general and issues a statement and gets all outraged about it. Um, you know, he goes and talks to the president about this memo. I mean, so, you know, the idea that he's not going to be involved in the investigation, but then he's out there lending credence to the things that are intended to bring it down uh, seems to me like a violation. And I think, you know, if if Nunes is still supposed to be recused, then you can look at this and say, well, if you're recused, shouldn't that also cover attempts to um, hurt the investigation as well? Right. Um, So this memo, if released today, it... Um, it really, the whole essence of it is charging the FBI with politicizing this investigation by taking information from a dossier prepared by a man who at that time was working for a firm, it gets a little complicated here, follow all the steps, Fusion GPS, which was working for the Hillary Clinton campaign on a project for which nobody points this out, they actually started working for Republicans Republicans who didn't want Donald Trump to be the nominee and were trying to stop Donald Trump, right? But they, they, they omit that part and just say right. the Fusion GPS, they were being paid by Hillary Clinton. Therefore, the FBI, and Donald Trump says it again this morning uh, in his tweet, out of all of his tweets this morning, if I can find it again, where he says... He mm-hmm. said something about how they, the FBI was doing the politicizing. Yes, yes, yes. Earlier today, where is he? Peter, do you, I don't know whether you have the whoops. Uh, here's what Donald Trump said this morning. Uh, the top leadership and investigators of the yeah, FBI and Justice Department have politicized the sacred investigative process right. in favor of Democrats and against Republicans, something which would have been unthinkable just a short time ago. Rank and file are great people. He goes on. Yeah. To right. uh, send on another, another tweet, which looks like a, a quote, uh, you had Hillary Clinton and the Democratic Party trying to hide the fact that they gave money to GPS Fusion to create a dossier, which was used by their allies in the Obama administration to convince a court misleadingly, by all accounts, to spy on the Trump team. Uh, by the way, you can tell that this is a genuine Trump tweet, that these are genuine Trump tweets, because there are lots of weird capitalizations in them. Yeah. Like, you can tell, you can, it's, it's kind of, it's not that hard to tell which one is a real Trump tweet, <laughs> like a Dan Scavino tweet, mm-hmm. tr- tweeting as Trump. Like, dossier is capitalized, court is miscapital is capitalized, um, uh, rank and file are both capitalized. Like, it's just sort of, 
doesn't make any sense why these things are capitalized in the middle of a sentence. That's that's how you know you got the pure uncut Trump. That's right. a real Trump tweet. So yeah. here, here again, he is accusing the FBI of being in Hillary Clinton's pocket, right? Yeah. I, one thing I have to say about this is, first of all, that's like obviously not true. The FBI arguably, you know, cost Clinton the election. So, mm-hmm. um, but the other thing is that, you know, not only Trump, but Nunes and, you know, Paul Ryan and House Republicans who are doing this, you know, oh, my gosh, you know, the FBI is corrupt. We've got a clean house. We've got to get this out in the open, This, all of this. There's a much easier way to look at all of the facts that they're talking about, which is that instead of the FBI using the dossier, you know, including it with many other things in a warrant for surveillance, um, a warrant application, that maybe they just thought the memo was credible or the dossier was credible. Like, that's the actual logical conclusion here is that they looked at it and said, yeah, this is good enough evidence that we think we can bring this to a judge. And that right. should be very damning. <laughs> and then the second part of this is that <laughs> um, if you're going to be saying that this is all a witch hunt and that this is not justified, <clears throat> then the person you're protecting here is Carter Page, <laughs> right. who has already was surveyed in, I think, 2014 because of known attempts by Russians to cultivate him as an asset. He was going back to Russia while on the campaign. So you basically have to endorse a nonsensical view of the facts in order to reach this conclusion. Right. I mean, Carter Page, it's still an unanswered, legitimate question. What the hell was Carter Page doing with all these meetings with the Russians, right? He was meeting with the Russians when Donald Trump, of course, has denied anybody around him had anything to do with the Russians. We now know there's a whole litany of people who were. But Carter Page is one of them. And he was out there having these meetings. That's what the F- and the FBI was concerned that he could, in fact, have been an FBI was operating as a spy for Russia. Yeah, they didn't depend in- exclusively on the dossier. They say no. they had other sources. The Australian Prime Minister, I think, warned them. I mean, they had, had all, all sorts of sources in this application that that are yes. classified, so we can't even know. Right. But but certainly, right. I mean, as as experts have said, it's basically unheard of to go to a FISA court judge and ask for, right. a, you know, a secret uh, warrant with, on the basis of one source. Right. It just wouldn't happen. Would not have happened. Right. So that stuff, you're right. We're not going to know because that's classified. Um, and um, even with the dossier, I mean, I, I I met with one source I can't name who told me that the Mueller has interviewed Steele, or the FBI has talked to Steele, and they believe they believe the dossier. I mean, they do take it as as credible. Now, it, it's so the Clinton campaign was paying for it, but it was done by an opposition research firm, uh, and they facts are the facts. Right. I mean, if to me, if if the dossier was not included in the by the FBI in any applications, that would be evidence that they weren't taking it that seriously. But the fact that they included it, which is the basis of this entire Nunes memo, actually gives credence to the fact that it might have some some good information in there. Not that everything in there is, you know, confirmed, but but that they're taking it seriously and that it's a credible piece of, you know, of, of research. All right. So the director of the FBI appointed by Donald Trump and the deputy attorney general of the United States appointed by Donald Trump go to the White House and say, don't do this. This this is could hurt us not just in this little in this investigation, this could hurt us overall and 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 harm our national security. Um, 
And the White House, apparently, today, is going to say, yep, we don't care. We're going to do it anyway. Why? I mean, the issue here is that Donald Trump and and his allies want to discredit the FBI. I mean, it's worth it to them because the less credibility they have, the less credibility the Russia investigation has. That's not even totally logical, to be honest, Um, you know, because just because Mueller's investigation started with the FBI doesn't mean that it's, you know, entirely, you know, tainted by any bias at the beginning, you know, this far into the process. And by the way, it's just one point. I think you made this clear, but they knew about Carter Page before the dossier was ever written. Right? Oh, yeah. They'd been following He's been, him. Years ago, he was, invest, he yeah. was investigated or he was interviewed by the FBI. Right? Yeah, because Russia literally did try to cultivate him as an asset, according to our intelligence. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, like, basically, if they're trying to discredit Mueller, find reasons to fire him or to just, you know, convince the American people to, like, put him out of mind and say it's not important, then you have to sort of discredit a broader swath of our, you know, intelligence community. And it they seem to have no qualms about doing that. Can you uh, surmise what the reaction might have been if Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton openly, publicly um, took on the FBI? Uh, it. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, talk of impeachment. I mean, they, they talked about impeachment for much less things. Yeah. Well, let's just put it at that. Um, no, absolutely not. I mean, this is certainly another area in which uh, a president and, you know, in particular, a Republican president and Republican presidents are generally much more aligned with law enforcement for all sorts of, you know, ideological reasons. It's, ob- you know, obviously. Um, and so, you know, this is another, you know, norm that he's breaking. And I think a particularly dangerous one, really. Uh, so. Will Donald Trump fire Christopher Ray, or will Christopher Ray resign? Um, I hope neither. I don't think that Trump will fire him, um, and I he'd like to. Also, I think that he will likely be held in um, by people who would say, you know, firing two FBI directors in less than a year is uh, <laughs> is politically not great, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it would not be great. Uh, I think that. Probably Ray knows that. And so to the best of his ability, he can leverage their desire to keep him there um, in order to, you know, get some things that he wants and to protect the FBI. And I think that he probably feels like he needs to be there. Um, But ultimately, I think he also has to protect, you know, you have to protect your institution. That's part of how government works here. You know, you you have to protect your own. And so at some point, I don't think it's today, but down the road, I think, you know, a resignation could happen depending on, you know, the fallout of all of this. Right. It's pretty clear, though, if Donald Trump had his way, having fired Sally Yates and uh, and James Comey and forcing Andy McCabe, uh, Andrew McCabe out, that if he could fire Rosenstein and Ray and probably Sessions, too, and Robert Mueller, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, to him, you know, the Justice Department and the FBI are supposed to protect him. And if they're not, then they should be out. Yeah, I don't think that he would personally have any qualms. Well, that's what that. the FBI is, right? It's just the president's lawyer. That's what <laughs> that's our whole purpose, right? To... Right. Well, maybe after after this, it'll be a little more like that. It, it, it's stunning to me that cha- taking on the FBI and the Justice Department and basically the people who are the top law enforcement officers in this country, that the Republicans in Congress all say, yeah, right on, Mr. President. We're right behind you here, right? Yeah, it's a... They just totally sold out their conscience and 
Yeah, I mean, anything I, they ever stood, the Republican Party ever stood for. There's definitely, I think, a feeling among civil liber- libertarians for sure, and even liberals who have a lot of anger towards the FBI and a lot of actually distrust about, you know, how they conduct secret surveillance programs and, you know, going back to Snowden and to the Bush years. Yeah. And those people are all sitting there and being like, I can't believe there's a scandal about FBI surveillance and I'm on the FBI side right now. <laughs> like, it's yeah, just, I, <laughs> it's just such or, an odd turning of the tables. Or that, that any of us are on James Comey's side after what he did to Hillary. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, the, the, the basically the, the standards for behavior have been taken so far out and the facts like so distorted, I think we're going to see here, that that you have people who are saying, I am actually critical of the FBI and here I am supporting them. Uh, and the same thing, again, I keep coming back to Comey. Peter, if we can, um, Comey's tweet last night, uh, I think sort of sums it up. Comey on the sideline, seething, seeing this effort by the part of Donald Trump to undercut the credibility of the FBI, uh, lashed out uh, last night in great fashion, I think, here. Uh, His tweet last night, all should appreciate the FBI speaking up. I wish more of our leaders would. But take heart, American history shows that in the long run, weasels and liars never hold the field so long as good people stand up. Not a lot of schools or streets named for Joe McCarthy. Pretty, wow. That's pretty brutal. Pretty <laughs> brutal. That's right. I love it. Yeah. Weasels and losers, right? Never Yeah, ran. right. The yeah. two, the, you know, words that, that really get it at Donald Trump there. Loser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know whether Donald Trump has tweeted back yet or not, but uh, he might. So what you're saying, I guess, is that these cowardly Republicans um, and all lining up uh, to support Donald Trump no matter what he says or does, sounding more and more like you've written Sean Hannity every day. Yeah. So one of the things I realized is, you know, and I, I, I am not a daily Fox News viewer. No. Um, <clears throat> but um, uh, I went back and, you know, realized that a lot of the stuff that you're starting to just hear now from Trump and, you know, Republicans on on the Hill, including Paul Ryan, um, are starting to sound like what Sean Hannity and Lou Dobbs and Janine Pierre over at Fox News and Fox Business News um, have been saying since the summer, which is, you talk you know, about the most extreme voices on Fox News. Yes, right, right exactly. And I mean, so Fox I think and Friends in the morning is what Donald Trump watches, but basically they're idiots. <laughs> yeah, I mean, seriously. Yeah, and so and and some can't take them seriously, but right. And I think you know he watches Hannity or you know their friends and all of that. I, I I tweeted something like a couple of years ago about just imagine being the type of person that wakes up and gets your news from Steve Ducey every morning, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I would have never in a million years believed that the president of the United States would use right. Steve Ducey as essentially his only source of news. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but it's you know, and you yet here we it. are. Right. <laughs> um, Lowest common denominator. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. No, but so, right, exactly. I mean, these are the folks who you would think that, you know, when they go off about how Mueller is conducting a witch hunt and should be taken out of the Justice Department in handcuffs, that that's the extreme side, right? And they, they talk about we need a purge of the FBI, we need a purge of DOJ, and you think, okay, well, that's that's just like the far, far, you know, out people that Fox has hired um, but it's not going to, like, infiltrate. And then on the day of the State of the Union, Paul Ryan says, you know what? 
you know, talking about the Nunes memo says, you know, we need to cleanse the FBI. We need to get all of this out in the open and just like, you know, for the good of the institution, we need to cleanse it. It sounds a lot like Fox News. And then you have, you know, people, um, you know, telling NBC that Trump is talking about um, uh, investigating Robert Mueller here. Right. I mean, and, you know, that goes along with, um, you know, actually Republican senators calling for uh, investigating uh, Christopher Steele, who, who wrote the dossier. And so there's this attempt, um, you know, at least talking about, you know, sort of turning the tables and trying to investigate the investigators. Well, investigate the investigators is like literally a phrase that these people have used on Fox News for months, um, Mm -hmm. you know, to talk about what they want to see. And they've basically laid out a blueprint for saying this is a witch hunt. You have to cleanse the FBI. You have to put these people in jail. Um, And I think it's it's scary that those, you know, those should be pretty lonely voices. And it's started. You're starting to hear those refrains a little more often. Yeah. You wonder, um, if it's an echo chamber, who is echoing whom here, right? But it's not Fox News echoing Donald Trump so much as it is Donald Trump echoing what he hears and sees on Fox News. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's where he's getting his... uh, Not that he doesn't come up with a lot of this on his own, but I think where he's getting his phrases maybe. And also it reinforces stuff. He may be thinking, he hears them say it, and then boom. Yeah, there absolutely. Have been, there have been many it, different timelines that show headlines that would be on Fox News or Fox and Friends or right. whatever it is, and then moments later, Donald Trump has a tweet about it. Yeah. Remember, and, Ma- and, and Matt Gertz yeah. came in from uh, from Media Matters. From, uh, Media yeah, Matters, yeah and he's he had, been following all of this. He did a, a countdown of tweets in the morning and what Fox and Friends was talking about. And it's and just, way more than you think. Like every day, you know. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, beyond just, you know, the the, the folks at Fox sort of like, you know, inceptioning the people in in the White House and stuff. I mean, you have all of the the viewers who are sort of, you know, over months and months, sort of, you know, the more you hear it, the more you think, yeah, I guess we should investigate Mueller. Like, yeah, I guess this is just a, you know, a partisan witch hunt. Um, You know, you you condition the audience to accept, you know, really extreme uh, possibilities. Yeah, what what we kind of, this FBI memo, maybe it was triggered by this, but we've kind of gotten away from uh, the first phony crisis that, uh, that they were trying to invent was these two members of the FBI who were having an affair and tweeting back and forth. Texting, yeah. Uh, texting, I'm sorry, back and forth. And the, what was the phrase? Um, secret secret so- society. Oh, yes. Secret society. Yeah, we haven't heard that b- about that in a week or so. Now they moved on to this memo. But that was another attempt, right, to, to undermine the entire investigation. Yeah. Because these two people whom, when Robert Mueller found out about, Right. Immediately threw them out. Right. Right. So right. They're no longer there and they haven't been there for over a year. Absolutely. I mean, there's also lots of evidence that, you know, these people had obviously, you know, reservations about Donald Trump being president, but that they also took a lot of actions that that ultimately hurt Hillary Clinton. I mean, they weren't like letting their, you know, think they're thinking about Trump guide their actions Didn't um, he, within the, the department. The guy of the, of the, of the, of the two of them. Uh, help write the James Comey yeah, October exactly. 28th letter. Yeah, exactly. He wanted letter. to reopen the investigation, investigation. into Clinton's yeah. emails. Exactly. Um, yeah, and then the, you know, the, I think you're right to point out that the whole secret society thing that happened. I mean, it's you know, in this news cycle, it blows over, but like that was huge. Like a a senator, a Republican senator who is a chairman of his committee, got these <laughs> texts, um, saw that one was obviously a joke. And then decided to politically use it anyways and create a whole sort of set of like conspiracy theorizing around it 
And then when the text came out and it was just clearly not true and a joke, he said, oh, well, you know, it might have been a joke. And then, like, walked away from the whole thing he'd created. And, I mean, that's – when you're the chairman of your committee and you're getting these, you know, texts, you have to act responsibly. I think that was, like, a, a – that was a big deal. Um, yeah, act responsibly. That's a, <laughs> that's a phrase we haven't heard in a long that's time. That's all I want. That's all I ask. Is <laughs> <Some laughs> that so much? Some ladies with Mother Jones. Uh, follow Mother Jones, motherjones.com. And let me tell you, the first person to report about this dossier and why it should be taken seriously – uh, is David Korn of uh, Mother Jones, who's been an extraordinary in his re- reporting on this, and so with your help, I'm uh, sure. But, thank you. No, I'm yeah. sure he will be. He but will be happy to hear that. Carry, carry that word back. He's been uh, he's been outstanding. Uh, this is an election year, uh, and in this election year, uh, already both North Carolina and Pennsylvania have been told uh, you've got district lines that are. Um, Purely partisan, drawn just to help Republicans. You got to throw those out and come up with something better. Are we going to see more fair district lines this year? Ooh, I don't know. Um, Supreme Court seems to say maybe not. Huh? Yeah, I would say Pennsylvania is your best bet. <laughs> um, I think that a week ago, you know, voting rights activists felt really confident that Pennsylvania at least would get um, a new congressional map before November. Um, now a lot of Republicans are trying to get the Supreme Court to stop that from happening, and so I think people are getting a little bit more nervous about what's going to happen the Supreme there. Court, the Supreme Court has a case in front of it, Wisconsin, correct? Yes. Yeah, and they haven't ruled on that yet. They haven't ruled yet. I would expect that um, it could come any time, really. Um, so, you know, but then you have to have the process of redrawing the maps, and then maybe those get challenged. So that the problem here is that, you know, once the court says, okay, you can— even if, if the plaintiffs win, if the voting rights folks win and, and the new map is ordered by the Supreme Court, then the legislature that drew the first biased map just draws another biased map often. And then the whole litigation process starts all over. I mean, that's what's going on in North Carolina right now is their map was found unconstitutional. So then the legislature drew another map that was also found unconstitutional and basically ran out the clock. So now mm. they're probably going to continue and held their elections in November under yet another unconstitutional map. Which will be, in in time, found uncon- unconstitutional as well, right? Then they'll have to go back to the drawing boards. Right, exactly. I mean, you know, every, every time you sort of start this process, oh, yeah, they basically they run out the clock. That's what happens. And the Supreme Court lets them run out the clock because every time they take a case, they stop the process for redrawing a map. Um, and so, you know, they don't really let you know, a fair map develops that there can be an alternative, um, you know, when the bad map is is thrown out. Um, so the ult- ultimately, it seems to me, um, I'll say this, you don't have to say it, that the only way to really get better districts is to th- take over some of these, get for Democrats to get these state houses back uh, so that they are in charge in 2020. Uh, by the way, not that I think any state legislators, Republicans or Democrats, ought to be drawing these maps. I'm more and more convinced that they ought to take it away from the politicians and give it to, like, the, but like we have in California, give it to a, a panel of some, you know, political science or former judges or something, whatever. Yeah, definitely. Panel of experts. I think, yeah, I th- and I think that's where you know the voting rights community is going. I mean, there, you know, groups right. are sort of trying to help legislatures you know, enact these independent, nonpartisan commissions mm-hmm. to draw the maps. Because, yes, absolutely, both sides do it. I think what you saw in after the Republican wave in 2010 was that Republicans were more aggressive than than we had seen before. 
um, you know, especially in places like North Carolina and Texas, where a growing minority population is threatening Republican control. Um, and so that's been a little bit unprecedented. But yes, both sides do it. And and I I, I think that, you know, the nonpartisan commissions seem to work out. Yeah. So not, not great prospect, prospects for better lines uh, in time for this year's midterms. Well, we covered so much territory there, Pema. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for the good work at Mother Jones, motherjones.org. So what about this um, war on our justice system? Faz Shakir, our good friend, national political director from the uh, great ACLU, will be joining us next. We'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back. The name is Resist. That's the name of their movement. Resist. That's all they do is resist. I don't know if they're good at it. They can't be too good at it because we're passing a lot of things. This is the Bill Press Show. This is the Bill Press Show. You got it. Friday, February 2nd, Groundhog Day. Here we are, the Bill Press Show. Great to see you today. Thanks for joining us. Wherever you are in this great land of ours, we're there right alongside of you, starting out from our studio on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., And we thank the good members of the American Federation of Teachers uh, under President Randy Weingarten. The Teachers of America, members of the AFT, making a difference in our classrooms every single day. Uh, Doing the Lord's work, we uh, salute them and thank them for their support of the program. Uh, Check out their website at AFT.org. In studio with us, Faz Shakir from uh, our good friend for a long time, now National Political Director. For a year or so, a couple of years ago? Yeah, a year. I, I, a year. I came okay. in on January 20th, the same day Donald Trump was inaugurated. What a time so, to start oh, a job. Oh, what a time to start. <laughs> Hi, Faz. Great to see Good you. Good to see you, Thanks Bill. So much Hi, Peter. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> uh, a little bit of breaking news. We have um, job numbers just out. Yes, indeed. The job numbers are out. The U.S. economy has added 200,000 jobs in the month of January. Uh, interesting note here, it was the 88th straight month that hiring increased that is the longest streak on record. Uh, can I interrupt just a second? You okay. sure can. All right. My quick math says that 76 months of those, <laughs> of those 88, <laughs> Go ahead. were under Barack Obama. Thank you, President Obama. <laughs> Thank you, Obama. Thank you, Obama. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. Very good. Just yes. point that out. Yeah. So there you go. 200,000 jobs added. And the unemployment rate is? Still under five, huh? It's, uh, it's yeah, it's still under five. Yeah, I'm looking for the actual number. They didn't put it out, okay. but uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, good, good, good. Hey, you know, another thing um, that uh, we haven't been uh, had a chance to talk about yet, Faz, uh, Faz is that um, we've been all this time with so much tension on the Korean Peninsula and so much of... Uh, Donald Trump's uh, harsh rhetoric against the president, the uh, leader of uh, North Korea, um, that he's got a bigger button than he does, and all that stuff, right? A bigger nuclear button. Um, we don't have, uh, haven't had an ambassador to South Korea. Um, well, the New York Times reporting this morning that we almost did. They had South Korea had approved, and we had settled on a guy for to be ambassador to South Korea. His name Victor Cha who's a real expert in Korean history and everything, uh, and a Korean-American, the White House has dumped him. They're not going to appoint him after all because he warned the White House that he could not support a preventive or preemptive military strike, which he said 
would turn would spiral into quote into a war that would likely kill tens, if not hundreds of thousands of Americans. We've been down that road, right? I, first, yeah. First, so we should applaud. We should applaud his courage. First of all, that's great. Amen. Right? Amen. That, that he's willing to but speak out and say that. Because he was willing to say that, yep. they're saying no. If you won't support a war yeah. against North Korea, that's right. If you won't support a military strike, we don't want you. And from from the ACLU's perspective, we believe that. Given all of the rantings that Donald Trump has made on Twitter about North Korea, like literally warning of war, that uh, uh, he said we'll, we'll destroy you. Yeah, yeah. That, that I think it's incumbent on Congress to assert its authority and responsibility to ensure that the president does not go to war without their authority. The War Powers Act. Right. You, he has given you enough warning now in advance that he is thinking about this and planning for this. So then it is on you, Congress to say, if you're thinking about this, we are going to have to authorize that. And, and unless we do that, you can't do it. I mean, he's, it, you know, the War Powers Act is supposed to apply when there's um, plotted war, that, that you know that there's a war conduct going mm-hmm. on, you have to consult with Congress. Mm-hmm. It'll give you an exemption if you feel like there's a national security threat that calls on you to have to take immediate action against ISIS or something in Afghanistan. But this is a situation where Donald Trump is choosing an elective war. He would want to just go after North Korea. Uh, and I think in that situation, Congress uh, it deserves full accountability and responsibility if if he continues down this path. And Congress doesn't need any new legislation or anything. There's something right. called the Constitution of the United <laughs> States, <laughs> which right. gives the power right. to declare war only to Congress, not to the president. It hasn't been used since World War II. Yeah. Uh, Harry Truman was the first one in the Korean War to say I'm going to go. And you're right. There are exceptions. We've got this authorization for the use of military force now that even brought— totally outdated. I mean— Totally outdated. (laughs) Just just shortly after 9-11, we've been conducting almost all of our wartime activities off of that. Yeah, and even before we did, Vietnam and and all of those. But, yeah, yeah, for Congress to step up and say—and this is where, like, you get a Rand Paul and Elizabeth Warren kind of coming together. No, it's our duty. We should exercise our duty. And if we don't— you know, it could be really a disaster, totally. catastrophic, Absolutely. what Donald Trump is. But it also, in the same article, points out that Trump apparently is really pissed off at the military because he keeps saying, I want a plan for, I want some options. And their options don't include a nuclear strike or a military strike. And Donald Trump says, just, no, that's not good enough. Right? And the number of times we've heard from uh, the press that senior members around him the adults in the room, if you will, are worried about the president's conduct and responsibility in office. This is just another example. They just don't trust him. They don't know how he's going to respond, so they just don't want to provide him information. It's just an unhealthy situation. Right. So um, the ACLU is is calling on Congress to say, absolutely, don't we, let this we, happen. We've already sent letters over to Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan and, and, and demanded that they um, Begin uh, conversations and on a discussion around authorization, particular authorization. Particularly on this, yes, because, on North Korea, especially. Yeah, I mean, yes, he is right. obsessed with that's this, right. and look, it, it, it's almost like he's going to assert, has to assert his manhood, right? Yeah, by and dating lobbying. back, I mean, you remember the meet the press quote from back during Tim Russert era when he would openly talk about the fact that we need to engage in war against North Korea. That that was something that he he declared decades ago as his desired option. And right. so, you know, the fact that he's been on the record for so such a long time and now has the opportunity to do so, it should be worrying to all of us. Um, in terms of North Korea, um, uh, someone, um, I'll mention this name in just a minute, called said, there's no military solution. Forget it. Quote, 
until somebody solves the part of the equation that shows me that 10 million people in Seoul don't die in the first 30 minutes from conventional weapons, I don't know what you're talking about. That is Steve Bannon and his advice to uh, Donald Trump. Never thought I'd say this. We need Steve Bannon back. (laughs) The voice of reason, Steve Bannon. Those were the names. Gosh, we missed Steve Bannon from Breitbart. Yeah, right. Well, even the broken clock, you know. Right, twice a day. Yeah. Uh, one other thing I've got to replay. We played this a little bit earlier. I'd like to get your take. So, uh, you know, at that great populist resort called Greenbrier, <laughs> where the where the populist Republicans yeah. gather, right, to yes. uh, to figure out how they can screw the American people. Or celebrate uh, having. Uh, celebrate right. having screwed the American right. people. That's exactly what they're doing. Uh, Donald Trump went down there yesterday and talked about all the great things that they had accomplished in 2017. I didn't realize until I heard this what a gangbuster year it was last year for getting things done. That was one of the greatest years in the history of politics, in the history of our country for a party, what we've done and what we've accomplished. I don't think it's been done, and certainly uh, not by much. We, uh, We had a year that was almost, I would think, unlike any. So he, I mean, he lives in a bubble. Gallup is now <laughs> reporting that the it, he has the lowest approval ratings of any president in the first term in office, first year in office, right? The lowest. So there's that tells you the vast majority of Americans see it completely differently than he does. And I think he he just does. There's no appreciation for the fact that vulnerable communities across America, who he has attacked, he spent his entire first year attacking, whether it's transgender in the military, whether it's uh, Muslim ban, whether it's uh, abortion bans of undocumented minors, dream, attacking dream. Uh, you know, the Charlottesville episode where you're defending the KKK, attacks uh, on free press. I mean, all of these situations where he has uh, assaulted the Constitution, civil rights, civil freedoms, he doesn't appreciate that there's a whole swath of Americans who feel totally affronted and attacked uh, as a result of the first. No, no cognizance and no appreciation, no empathy at all about that. Yeah, but you're right. Living in this bubble like that this was such a – now, uh, from ex- by executive orders, he's done a lot of damage. But in terms of getting things, big things done through Congress, I mean, Neil Gorsuch one end of the year yeah. and the tax cuts at That's the other it. end That's and it. nothing but disaster in between, yeah. right? Incompetence, and, fumbling, and, yeah, bumbling. Keystone yeah. cops kind of yeah. operation. And, well, but the one thing we do, we can give him credit for, of course, it was the largest audience ever that watched the State <laughs> of the Union address. Yeah. Which we all know is a falsehood. is <laughs> not true at all. And, uh, and he keeps saying it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he, it's amazing how many things, times he will just repeat something, uh, a falsehood that he knows. He believes that – I don't know if you ever remember the Seinfeld where there's a Seinfeld episode in which Jerry is talking um, to Jason Alexander and says, like, he's, he's asking him how to pass a lie detector test. And, and George says to him, here's how you pass a lie detector test. It's not a lie if you believe it. That's it. Mm-hmm. It's not a lie if you believe it. And Donald Trump, just like, he'll believe the lie, say it often and repeat it, and hope that everyone will just go along with it. Yeah. The, the and, your- also, and also, by the way, he's not the only one that believes it. Republicans believe it. Like, if you've got someone to back up your lie, why in the world would you stop lying if you're a guy like Donald Trump? Mm-hmm. You know? Like, like, well, we, like we played I'm not earlier, sure they, they believe it, but they're willing to 
they're willing to. Well, Congress is going along. I mean, that's ass. the Nunes memo right there oh, in yeah, a nutshell, right? It might as well be put on MAGA letterhead, right, and <laughs> sent out from Donald Trump's office. I mean, the, the spin right. on this is purely not only to protect the president, but I underappreciated that it wants to protect the co- Congress's jobs themselves because they know they're going down with this guy. Yeah. By the way, the New York Times this morning reports, so 46 million watched, just under 46 million, which is huge, huge. It's the, But it's the ninth largest a ninth, yeah, yeah, ninth part. There were yeah. nine, eight I mean, including bigger than that. President Obama, including President George yeah. W. Bush, including Bill Clinton from yeah. like right. decades right. ago, right? When yeah. the audience arguably was smaller. You know, be happy with forty-six million, <laughs> right? You, know? you don't have to lie about it. No. You're like, hey, g- nice viewing audience last night. <laughs> okay, now, you, so uh, uh, really wanted to get to what we really want to talk to you about, which is this Nunez memo, because right. this is really. Uh, an affront on Donald Trump's part, I mean, on, against the FBI yeah. and the entire Justice Department, against the rule of law, basically, right? now, It's just amazing. I think we premise every conversation by saying the FBI's conduct put Donald Trump in office. That's undoubtedly, right? So, you, like, the Absolutely. fact that that happened, and then he wants to reverse the script and say, actually, the FBI is lined up against me. I mean, it, you know, at the ACLU, we feel strongly, and we have a per- different perspective than some of our friends on this. The FBI has a long history and conduct, misconduct, of, of misconduct, sexual abuse, profiling, uh, all kinds of unconstitutional ser- searches, a whole variety of practices post 9-11 that we abhor. So we do believe that it is a an agency that that demands reform. However, like what you've got yourself into a situation. That's important to say because, yeah. you know, that, that, that it has been the Democrats who have been pointing out. Yes. There are some legitimate reasons. And, and, and that is all justifiable. There is an argument to be made that the FBI has a an agency rife with uh, misconduct and dema- and needs more congressional accountability over and executive accountability over. Uh, and so here we have a situation where they build on that argument that, yeah, okay, we know that most of the American public says people know that there's some misconduct at the FBI. So what we're going to do is cherry pick intelligence, manipulate it, and selectively release it. And I think from my perspective, what it tells you is we've got an overclassification problem, that the fact that the most of the public has no idea uh, how wiretaps are done, how surveillance is conducted, because they've been left in the dark. And now that means you turn over the authority to a congressman like Devin Nunes, who gets to cherry pick a situation and manipulate it to the public because none of us have any idea what is going on behind the scenes. So you've now given the power to one person to manipulate the situation and release it. I think the lesson for all of us is that we need broader accountability and transparency of how FISA is conducted, judicial opinions in the FISA court, so that you do not empower people mm-hmm. to selectively politicize these situations. Right. right. That This is always going to be the case because everything is behind locked doors and any one person who wants to use it, utilize that intelligence that's locked behind closed doors for political means will now have the capacity to do so. And Nunes is setting a terrible precedent by the manner in which you would do that for po- political purposes. Nunes, who uh, supposedly had recused himself from this investigation, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. I mean, the, 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 it's a fraud. I mean, the, guy, the, the way he is conducting himself is completely unethical and irresponsible. And hopefully there's people in the Central Valley paying attention. <laughs> well, one would hope. Uh, <laughs> that's a tough district. But... Um, what also stuns me is that Nunez pulled the same trick a year ago. Yeah. I mean, how short do they think our memory is? This is a guy that you cannot trust, right, who pretended he had made made this huge discovery that was so shocking, and he had to run down to the White House 
and tell the White House about it. And I remember I was there in the briefing. We said to Sean Spicer, what's Nunez, Nunez got? You know, right. And Sean Spicer, well, we don't know. Yeah. You know, He's coming down. We can't wait to hear. But right. And it turns out it was all a phony, baloney yeah. thing. Nunez was given some stuff by the White House, comes back to Congress and said, look what I discovered. I'm going to go down and tell these guys about it. That's where he got it in the and first place. And it sounds place. like it's the same case here where it's like the, the same mem- memos written when, in conjunction with the White House totally, totally to spin totally. intelligence. It's yeah. a me- Remember, this is just a memo. This isn't a classified intelligence of like authority. He's It's his take on it. And I think – remember the Feinstein episode where she released a transcript? Yes. That is a model of actual uh, – uh, like the model of behavior that we would applaud because you have – her releasing an, a, a primary source document, r- redacting you know pieces that we shouldn't see, but but you have material that doesn't lead you to certain conclusions. It says here here it is for public consumption to digest and come to your own determinations. That's and, not what's going on here. No, and the person who testified wanted his that's, testimony out. It was just Chuck Grassley right. who was sitting on it, refusing to release it because it wasn't one hundred percent pro Trump. Yeah. Yeah, right. I mean, it, it's really sad to see the politicization of the FBI, particularly at a time when they were <laughs> they were the ones who put the guy in office. You're like, remember, it was their misconduct that landed this guy where he is. Uh, I, I mentioned this before. Our friend Lanny Davis has a book coming out next week. Yeah. Uh, I blurbed the book, and uh, and his his whole point is that October twenty eighth, the letter from James Comey is the reason. Donald Trump's in the White House. I, I, you I can s- make that argument. Yeah. I think there are a lot of other factors. Including- maybe maybe he wins regardless of that, but there's no doubt that that only helped Trump. There's no scenario under which that that Hillary that it was either even or that somehow Hillary benefited. No scenario. It was purely a situation in which it helped him. Whether it helped him enough to win office or he would have won otherwise, I don't know. But it, it's fair to say, like you know, some of those states were but twenty thousand right. votes in Michigan and Pennsylvania yeah. and uh, Wisconsin. Those are very very tight states. It was so close to the election and it was totally unnecessary. It yeah. was anti. Anthony Weiner's laptop. And <laughs> which produced nothing. Remember, they had to come back and <laughs> nothing. And yeah. they could have waited literally two weeks or one week, right, to say, hey, we're looking into his laptop. And, uh, we don't want to influence the outcome of this election. We're going to look into his laptop next week. Trump they... is still talking about Huma. He's like, like <laughs> literally, this was like, what, two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. He was still saying that Huma needs to go to jail. Still. A year later. <laughs> over a year later. Yeah. Um, <coughs> pardon me. And also, isn't it pretty stunning? That, I mean, in in your efforts to get some lo- long-awaited and long-needed and much-needed reform of the FBI um, and the whole intelligence process, your allies in that have never been the Republican Party, no. have they? No. <laughs> they, they, they were always the staunch defenders it, of— it's been a struggle to find allies, I'll be honest with you. But you're right that, like, it's people like Rand Paul, <laughs> Justin Amash, you know, increasingly, yeah, you know, right. people like Elizabeth Warren, mm-hmm. and a number of others who, who have been willing to say, you know, that, the, that there's uh, unreasonable profiling of people, the, the manner in which they're going after Muslim communities and other uh, stop and frisk policies, you know, that, that those are concerns to us. We have we have had few allies, quite frankly, and uh, to fact even that among the, Democrats, even among allies. Democrats, no, and, and 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 it has allowed an agency to continue without the true oversight and responsibility over, and it has arguably, in my view, led them to the misconduct we were talking about. We both. Prior, during Obama's regime, right, like uh, Obama's administration, right before the election, FBI having too much power to s- simply 
uh, twist an election. I mean, how, how the heck does that happen? I mean, the attorney general is almost literally handicapped. She did not remember Laura Lynch, very little said of her. And what we need is actually more aggressive oversight of this agency, not only from within the administration, but by Congress um, and, and more transparency, because that's what a lot of this occurs to completely in the dark behind the scenes and the American public doesn't know and understand it. And the first step is is expanding and putting more light onto it, but doing so in a way that isn't cherry picking and doing it for uh, political purposes. Right. Um, is the is the ACLI, ACLU rather, involved in um, the emoluments issue and the Trump Hotel? So our friends at Crew have been the leaders on that. We've yeah. consulted with them, but Crew, Crew has taken the lead, and uh, it's a very justifiable case. Of course, like you know, an early judicial ruling kind of suggested that the, that the case wouldn't move forward. I, I don't know exactly know but where they still stand. Another case that. Um, that brought by the District of Columbia and the state of Maryland, I believe. Okay, which, I, I, I'm not as familiar with that gone. one. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean, obviously, there's this, I think, a strong case to be made there that, uh, for particularly for businesses who are unduly being harmed by the fact that the president has an inherent advantage in business conduct, um, the kind of thing that Monuments was intended to. Uh, prohibit, right? That the business that the president could unduly influence through his own properties. And, and we've talked about this before. I just want to see if there's an update. The, the very first thing that Donald, his very first action was the Muslim ban, That's and right. the ACLU were the very first ones on the scene uh, at just, the airports and, and other to protect yeah, and, these and, people and to challenge that right. ban. It's been great. So I mean, every almost every court has ruled with us. Uh, just an update on that. We we know the Supreme Court is going to hear an argument on this Muslim ban, which is now 3.0, 4.0, however you want to think about yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, it's been watered down so much. But we 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 got the a Hawaii case led by Neil Katyal who's going up to the Supreme Court. We're still at the ACLU waiting for a Fourth Circuit ruling on it. So it's possible that that could occur. Who knows when and and maybe be joined with the Supreme Court case. Um, just to recap, you know, we we had won basically. Uh, at the federal court level, well, all was, the way up to the Supreme Court. down several times. They yeah, retooled the Muslim ban because they felt they were going to lose and then sent it back down through the court system. Now it's back up, <laughs> going back up to the Supreme Court. So we hope that at the end of the day, this case is pretty clean cut. It was, uh, it was a Muslim ban guided by racial animus, the kind of thing um, that the Constitution especially prohibits, the freedom of religion clause. You know, the, the, We know because the, Donald Trump has been on record for months and months and months and months talking about the fact that he wanted yeah. to to engage in a uh, exclusionary behavior towards Muslims. And so this is pretty clean cut from our perspective, and the courts have ruled that way. And I hope that, you know, the hard part about this bill is that the American public isn't as far along on this one as I wish they were. You know, if you look at public polling, it looks like it's 50-50 on the Muslim ban at a time when the, when the courts are like 99-1, hmm. right, yeah. 95-5. Like, they, they've all ruled with us. And you have the American public kind of at 50-50. And there's some work to do on changing hearts and minds to help have people appreciate and understand you know, a need for an inclusive America. And where is the American public and where is the ACLU on the Dreamers program? I saw you know, yesterday uh, Trump now, he can't, he's, he's, he's really offended by the fact that we use the phrase dreamers. Right? <laughs> All Americans All are Americans dreamers. Are dreamers. Right. Yeah. All mm-hmm. Americans, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he, um, so yesterday he told the yeah. members of Congress, uh, Republicans in, uh, in, at, uh, at the Greenbrier, don't fall into that trap. Uh-huh. Some people call them dreamers. 
uh, it's not dreamers. Don't fall into that trap yeah, by well, calling them dreamers. He knows he's losing, and, and he, he created this mess. Remember, he, he, he created yeah. an arbitrary six-month deadline. Now he's going to reach the end of it. He said Congress would fix it. Congress has not been able to reach a legislative proposal, and it's because he's demanding, Trump is demanding, an anti-immigrant wish list in conjunction with saving dreamers. Oh, so yeah. you can only save dreamers unless you build a harmful border wall, unless you supercharge his mass deportation force. That's ridiculous. So you can save dreamers pretty easily by passing a dream act. And I think I think we're hitting the end of the road by not destroying it in the first place. That's right. right. Yeah, there's it was good. Just reauthorize it. And so I think that we're in a situation here where over the next month, working with United We Dream, we're going to keep pushing on him. If we hit the end of this rope in, in early March, we might be calling on President Trump to extend this via executive authority. Remember, he has the power alone. (laughs) <laughs> right. And he alone can, can fix, fix it. it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the ACLU doing great, great work, have for a long time. I am a proud member. encourage you to become one, too, at ACLU.org. Thank you, Faz. Thank you, Bill. Uh, that's it. The weekend is yours. Go have a lot of fun. Come back this and see us on Monday. This is the Bill Press Show.